First Peter chapter number three, and we'll read verse number seven. It says, "Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife, as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered." And tonight we'll be preaching on um, dwelling together. Last week we considered. Um, wives, and I didn't say everything the Bible had to say about wives. This mainly stuck to what Peter had to say about it um, in the text. So, um, in turn, tonight I'm not going to say everything there is to say about um, being a husband, but mainly what Peter has to say, um, which is just one aspect of the the duty and responsibility uh, role of of the husband. So uh, submission is not the sum and substance of what it is to be a wife, just one part of what God has to say about that. And so uh, this text, again, is just um, part of what God has to say. Um, But we'll think about it in light of what Peter has been saying all along in this text. Um, Starting way back in um, the middle of chapter 2, where he tells, he beseeches, God's people as strangers and pilgrims to abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they have behold, where they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. And then he goes on to how to live um, in a in a uh, ungodly nation, perhaps with ungodly rulers, how to, to be in submission. Um, for servants being submission to their masters. And he goes into wives being submission to their husbands, even whenever they don't obey the word. And then it goes into likewise, ye husbands. And so tonight we're going to look at the husbands and see what the, uh, Peter, or what God says here in First Peter about the husbands. The first thing we see is they are to dwell according to knowledge. Um, very obvious as we see this. The, the husband is to dwell with the wife. The husband and wife ought to, to live together. The son, whenever he becomes a husband, according to Scripture, should leave uh, his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. And so in that text, even, um, the father and mother are together. So all the way back in creation, we find God uh, created Adam, and from Adam, Eve, and then Adam and Eve dwelt together in the garden. Um, but uh, when they had children, uh, whenever they would get married, they would leave father and mother and, and cleave to the wife, and then the, the son and the wife would be together. So this is God's way, that the husband and wife uh, should be one flesh and dwell together. Sometimes husbands and wives can live in the same home, but they don't really dwell together, that there's no um, living together, relationship together, uh, love one another. Uh, but this is that the husbands and wives should live together as, as um, one flesh, right? So they should um, not, be, um, not be separate, not just um, married legally or with, by paper, but they should have a life together. And so the husband should dwell according to knowledge, is what the text says. Dwell with them according to knowledge. So the husband uh, needs to know some things, is what uh, the Bible tells us. 
So it is God's charge for the husband to know some things. So the Bible says husbands can know some things about their wives. And the Bible says a husband should know some things about their wives. But if we think about this, I mean, how many, how many years can you, a man live with a woman when he says, well, I understand what goes on in the mind of my wife or the mind of, of women? Well, um, we all know that we can't understand what's in the mind and in the heart of other people. So I don't think this is what that's talking about, especially in the first year of marriage. Um, you, how could newlyweds, um, how could a newlywed uh, husband uh, keep this verse if this meant to know the heart and mind of his wife? Because the only people this verse could apply to is people who have been married for, for a very long time. So this is not knowing your wife's personality and knowing your wife as, as a person and, and saying, well, okay, I know this is what my wife likes, and so I'm going to um, do this. Now, I'm not saying there's anything bad with that, but I don't think that's what Peter is talking about here. That he's not saying dwell with them and know what she likes and anticipate what she likes and, and that kind of thing. That's not what Peter's talking about. Whether that's good or bad, it's beside the point. Um, Peter is saying for all husbands to, to live with them according to knowledge. So, first of all, we have to think, well, what kind of knowledge would this be and where would I get it? Well, you're not going to get knowledge about how to be a good husband from your buddies, and unless they're wise Christian men. Um, in fact, that's the worst thing young boys can do, is listen to their friends, give them advice about girls. That would be the last place you'd want to get advice, is from your peers in that case, um, not from TV or from movies. That's not how you're going to get knowledge about, about um, women. So where would a man... Uh, get this knowledge, what is this knowledge, and how can a man dwell with his wife according to knowledge? All right, so this is some kind of knowledge that comes from outside, and it's some kind of knowledge that we have access to. It's some kind of knowledge that a man can have going into marriage. It's some kind of knowledge that a man can have the first day that he's married, and it's some kind of knowledge that is the same. Because Peter is not saying now, you Jews have this knowledge and you Gentiles have this knowledge and, and you in this country have that knowledge. But no, this is, this is a knowledge that is, that is consistent from Peter's day to our day. Across cultures, across time, this is a knowledge outside of ourselves. Well, the first place we must turn to get this knowledge is, this is, a, is the scripture because this, I believe this is a theological knowledge that Peter's not saying live with them, knowing their, their, them as a person, them, their personality, but live with them according to the truth that God declares in Scripture about um, the nature, about human nature. A husband needs to, to live and dwell with his wife, knowing what the Bible says about human nature. Whenever two people get married, there's two sinners that are getting married. There, the Bible says much about human nature. And so if a husband is, uh, gets married and dwells with his wife according to his preferences, or according to his um, um, desires or whatever the case might be, what he wants, his, his standards, not according to, 
true knowledge, but according to what he thinks, well, it will be a life of, of disappointment, of course. Because uh, no person can live up to somebody else's deepest, um, deepest desires, right? So we need, he needs to live according to the knowledge about human nature, um, according to the, the knowledge about what the Bible says about women, which we'll get to in just a second. Um, according to the knowledge, what the Bible says about the difference which is between men and women. Um, need to dwell, knowing what the Bible says, according to the knowledge that the Bible says about sin, about grace, about what the Bible says about love and compassion and forgiveness and meekness and gentleness. Live with husbands should live with their wives according to the knowledge um, of the scriptures about what it is to, to have leadership and what it is to, to have authority and what it is um, the Bible says about his wife in uh, the, the new covenant, in the church, um, and, and what, what that means for her, not dwelling in the old covenant, the Old Testament, but, but in, the, in the new covenant. Um, what, what does the Bible say about that? So the husband, in order to glorify God, must dwell with his wife according to true knowledge that does not change and that does not um, change over time or over culture, but live with her according to the truth of the word of God. So in order for a, a husband to be a good husband, to be a good leader, he must know what is required of him and he must know um, what... The Bible says about himself and what the Bible says about his wife and the, the differences and the responsibilities and the roles. So if, if you think about this, if God has put the man as the head of the house, the first thing he must know is where does that authority come from? What is expected of him? Um, what, what can he do? What can he not do? What must he do? What must he not do? Right? So the, the, the thing that Peter says is that he must dwell with with his wife, according um, to, to the knowledge of the scriptures. You take what God says about men and women and dwell with your wife with these truths in mind. You enter in and remain in marriage grounded in the truth of scripture. All right, so I believe that is what Peter is, is driving at here. And, and later on in the message, I'll show you, uh, I'll go a step further into why I believe that is the case. But um, that is the knowledge I believe that he's talking about here. This is not God's knowledge, God's truth. Well, likewise, ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. And I'm going to jump around. I'm not going to go phrase by phrase, but we'll hit every phrase. I'm just going to jump around back and forth. So now let's consider the weaker vessel. Now, I'm coming to the text with a certain set of presuppositions. Meaning that whenever I pick up the Bible and I read 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 7, that there's some certain things that I've already got in my mind that I, I believe before I even start reading the text. I believe that Peter is writing moved by the Holy Spirit. That this is not Peter's ideas, but these are the very words of God. I believe that what Peter is writing is God's inerrant, infallible word. 
So before I even open up the Bible, I, I already believe that as a child of God. And so whenever I come to 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 7, I believe that what Peter is writing it was, is the inspired word of God. He wrote it as he was moved by the Holy Spirit, that this is God's inerrant, infallible, sufficient word. And so with those presuppositions in mind, for me to deny 1 Peter 3, 7, is to deny what God has said. So as I read this, I don't say, well, I don't like that, or I don't think that is right. I say, therefore, it is a fact that there is indeed differences between men and women. And as the scripture says, um, women are the weaker vessel. Sometimes I like to Google search passages that such as this and just see what comes up and uh, this one's sort of a real winner as far as some of the articles that I, that I saw. Um, one of them was, it was a charismatic website. It said, why the weaker vessel teaching is wrong. <laughs> so there, um, they just quote this and say, here's why Peter is wrong. And then there's another one. Well, context matters. And what, what you read here is not what it really means. And so there's very, all kinds of different um, theories and ways to, to, to say that this doesn't mean what it, what it really means. But we have to believe that the text um, is God's word. So what does it, So let's think about what it doesn't mean, first of all, and that will help us understand what it does. Of course, it doesn't mean that there's not strong women. And it also doesn't mean that all women are weak. It doesn't, it doesn't say that. It says the weaker vessel. So what you have here are two vessels. You've got the vessel of the husband, and you've got the vessel of the wife. And in those two vessels, you have a stronger vessel and a weaker vessel. Again, you can't say that, or well, even in the scripture, it does, you, you can't read Proverbs 31 and not see a strong woman there. I mean, that's just a fact. You read Proverbs 31, that is a strong woman. She wakes up early, she she makes sure everybody's dressed, and she take, she's buying and selling fields, and she's... She's working and she's feeding people and she's making money and she's making her husband look. She's a, that's a strong woman. So it's not saying that all women are weak in, in, in all capacities. And it doesn't mean that, that some women aren't stronger than some men. You can't take an Olympic gymnast and then take... Um, you know, a, a five-year-old boy, and say, well, she's a, she's a female and he's a male, therefore um, she's much weaker than him. Well, obviously, right? We, we read this with, with some common sense. We, we, we don't say that all women are weaker than all men. And sometimes the fault is the other way. Sometimes men are just effeminate, and that's a problem in and of itself. But the fact is, women physically are... Uh, the weaker sex, all things being equal. Um, one commentator said, as long as golf courses have one set of tees for men and one set of tees for women, um, even, even secular society bears that truth. And that was written a long time ago. I don't know what he would think about now. Um, the problem with equality is not everything is equal. Can be or should be. The transgender athletes make uh, this point for us. Um, the the world champion, or the college swimmer, the man who's swimming against all those girls. I mean, you can just look at the picture with the big broad shoulders and 
you know, you say, well, there's a man, and you can just see physically there, there is a difference. And even, even the women now are saying, well, this isn't really fair. You know, that's the problem with femini feminism is because they went, well, we can anything that a man can do, a woman can do better, we're all equal, and there's no differences between men and women. And then you, this man comes along and says, okay, well, I'm going to play on your side. And then you see that it's just not fair because there are differences, right? I mean, it's obvious. It's obvious to, to, to everybody that has eyes to see. Women and men are different. Does that mean one is better? No, it doesn't mean one is better. It just means they're different. One man said, um, men are like iron skillets and women are like a fine china. So, well, which one's better? Well, neither's better. They're both equal to the task that they were made for. Right? So if, if you had some dignitary come to your house, you wouldn't want to set an iron skillet in front of him and, and say, well, you know, feed him off the iron skillet. But you also wouldn't want to, to cook something on the stove with, with fine china, right? So they're, not one is better, they're just different. So the, the, there's a reason why Peter is pointing this out. We have to remember that men and women are, are different. If you think just back to the curse, part of the curse is that the man would labor with the sweat of his brow and he'd be cursed in his effort. Work in the Garden of Eden was pleasant and fruitful. Then after the curse, it became uh, difficult, frustrating, um, and he suffered in his work. And the work that God called man to do multiplied. Well, part of the woman's curse was that she'd want to, A, rule over her husband, and B, that her uh, childbirth would be multiplied. But what you have is when you have a man who won't act like a man and take his responsibilities, what he does, and you see this a lot um, nowadays, we have, especially when you have men and women um, together and, and the, the, the man won't work, and then, then the wife works, well, he doesn't want to take any responsibility. But the problem goes both ways because because lots of times the woman wants to be the one in charge and tell him what to do. Well, that man will say, well, if you'll take my responsibility from me where I don't have to make any decisions and you work for me where I don't have to work, well, sure, you take the brunt of the curse. You take your curse and my curse too. And so there's a great deal of lazy, worthless husbands who are fine with letting their wife do all the work and take all the responsibilities, and they can just remain a little boy for the rest of their life. They are not dwelling with their wives according to knowledge. It's selfishness. They're not dwelling with their wives according to what God has called a man to do. They're not living with their according to the knowledge that their wife is not suited to take that Entire role of responsibility upon herself. Husbands and wives work together to take care of their families. And, and every family is different. Every situation is different. And husbands and wives uh, make those decisions, I think, together to, that their family may, may do well. But, but it's just not... It's not uh, the wife is not suited for taking all the responsibility upon herself 
while the husband does nothing at all. And so the husband must dwell with his wife according to knowledge, what he's supposed to do, what she is supposed to do, what he can do and what he's suited to and what she can do and what she's suited to. Because otherwise, it's, it'll just end in a miserable life. Both parties living in sin and the brunt of the, the suffering um, goes on the woman most of the time in these situations. So men must live with their wives according to knowledge and understand the difference between a man and a woman according to Scripture. Now this is the kind of thing that might get you thrown in jail nowadays for saying that there is a difference between a man and a woman. I don't know if you've seen clips on YouTube. You may have seen the documentary where um, one uh, reporter just went around. The whole documentary was him just going around and asking people what a woman was. He said, what's a woman? And then he would just listen to them respond. They couldn't answer him. They couldn't tell him what a, what a woman was because in their, in their philosophy, there is no difference between men and women at all. He says, okay, well, what's a woman? He went to a woman's rights march where, where they were holding signs saying, we support women, we, we are for women's rights. He says, what's a woman? And they couldn't tell him what a woman was. Well, God's people know the difference between men and women. They know that there are differences between men and women, and we live with that knowledge. So live with, husbands live with their wives with that knowledge in a way that is pleasing to God, not in a way to take advantage, and not in a way to abuse, not in a way to harm, but in a way that glorifies God. And we don't explain away this text by saying, yes, but, and then um, try to just reframe what this text says. What it's saying is, all things being equal, in a marriage, the husband is um, stronger than the wife. She is the weaker vessel. Again, it doesn't mean all men are stronger than all women, and it doesn't mean that all women are weaker than all men, but all things being equal, um, that the husband is going to be stronger than the wife, And so why did Peter say this? Just out of the blue, why did he say this? Why didn't he not just say, husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge as being heirs together? What is the purpose of of pointing this relationship out? Well, I think the likewise has everything to do with it here. The likewise is very important, I believe, to to, uh, understand this. Now, a lot of people will say, Verse chapter 3, verse number 1 says, Likewise, you wives be in subjection unto your own husbands. And so they'll go down to verse 7 and say, Well, likewise, husbands, you be in subjection to your wives. As if that carries on all the way through that the husband is to be in subjection to the wife. Well, you tell me how that's going to work where you have two people in a relationship and both of them are in subjection to one another. I mean, that's not going to work. It can't work, right? Um, because two people, you know, you've got two people in a relationship that can't both be in subjection um, one to another. So I don't believe that's what that is referring to. It can't refer to that. So what does the likewise mean? Well, let's, let's think of it in this whole 
letter. So remember, Peter's just writing a letter, and he's not writing you know, a, a mini-series of, of sermons. He's writing a letter to them. And back in chapter 2, verse number 11, he says, this is how I want you to live. This is how you need to live among the Gentiles. You need to live in submission to um, the authorities. Honor all men, in verse 17. Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Don't use your liberty as a cloak for maliciousness, but as for the servants of God. If you're a servant, do so whether they're good or bad, because this is thankworthy unto God. What glory is it that if you suffer for doing wrong, you know, you, you deserve to, 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 be, to suffer if you do wrong. This is the way of Christ. Likewise, you wives be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they may also be without the word, won by the conversation of the wives. So I think the first likewise, if we just start working backwards, is right there, chapter 3 and verse number 1, if they obey not the word. I think the likewise is not um, likewise husbands also be in subjection to your wife, but it's likewise, it said, wives, if your husbands don't obey the word, submit to them anyway, because God has put them in authority. But likewise, husbands, if your wife obey not the word, I, I believe that is the, the connection between husband and wife there, that he's saying, wives, your husband may not be in obedience to the word. That doesn't change your responsibility to your wife. And likewise, husbands, your wives might not be in subjection um, according to the word. Because he goes on and says, wives are to be submissive to their, to their husbands. That, that um, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And then, so you, you can imagine the pastor reading this to the congregation the first time, and, and probably like every congregation since, that that they read that part, and the husband probably starts elbowing his wife, and then he looks at her, and he said, well, likewise, ye husbands. And then, but, but the, the fact remains, you know, what, if, what if the wife says, well, what if my husband's not godly? Well, you do what you're called to do anyway. Likewise, ye husbands, you live according to knowledge whether your wife is in subjection or not. Because you can't force someone to have a meek and quiet spirit. You just can't do that. Because what was it that was valuable? Verse 4, chapter 3, verse 4. The hidden man of the heart. The ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. Where does, where does the wives being in subjection into their own husbands come from? It doesn't come from force. Not by the stronger husband ruling over the weaker vessel, saying, You better, you better subject. No, you can't change, you can't force somebody's heart to change. You can, you can force them to act a certain way, but you can't force, you can't change somebody's heart. So I think this says, Likewise, husbands, 
regardless of whether or not your wife will obey the word or not. You, you um, honor your wife as the weak, weaker vessel as being heirs together. So the likewise, I think, is that you do this just like you obey the government, whether if it's a good or, or bad government, whether you like them or not, as long as they don't tell you to do something contrary to God's word. Honor all men. Honor the king. Fear God. Love the brotherhood. Servants be in subjection to your masters. Who wants to do that? Well, nobody wants to do that, but this is a thankworthy thing. This is what you. This is what God has called you to do. Wives be in subjection to your husbands. Well, what if they're not saved? Well, this is what God has called you to do. Likewise, you husbands. So with the thrust of this, uh, I believe that's what it's getting at. Likewise, not to submission, but to also to honor. Um, chapter 2, verse 17, honor all men. Husbands do not submit to their wife, but he honors the wife. He treats her with respect and dignity. He treats his wife as a woman by God's standard of godliness and God's view of his, of his wife. So if God looks upon his wife and sees the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit and which God sees as a great price, the husband is to honor that. He is to honor that fact and, and to treat his wife as one made in God's image who lives according to the role that God has given her. So he is to likewise honor his wife um, as, as the wife that God has given him. To treat her by God's standards and to treat her in a way that God views his wife. And to treat her um, as his wife in that, in that role that God has given um, her and honor her in that. So, like I said last week, the wife is to be in subjection to her husband. Not only when she deserves it, not only when he deserves it, rather. So she's not to say, well, I'll be in subjection whenever you tell me to do what I want to do. Right? That, that's not, that's not what, it, what the text is getting at. She is to be in subjection to him. Um, and, and it's not based upon his worthiness for that. It is the, the, the role of the, the headship of the family. But likewise, the husband is to honor his wife and treat her with respect and dignity um, as, as his wife. And not say, well, I'll, I'll honor you when you start doing what I want you to do. No, that's not what Peter has called us to do. So likewise, we honor um, the wives that God has given us. Likewise, we are to be, as the head of the home, not a hard lord, because... Right, so he said. Even uh, Sarah obeyed, calling him Lord. But honor her and treat her as the weaker vessel. So, in Second Peter two sixteen, as free, not using your liberty as a cloak for maliciousness, but as, serv as the servants of God. So, 
God has given the man um, the position of the head of the house. So, so what's he supposed to do? Well, sometimes this goes to a man's head. And there are a lot of men that this goes to their heads and thinks that, that they're, um, they're kings and, and treats, treat their wives poorly and, and don't treat them with honor or respect or dignity. But let us remember that, that we, the, we were to submit to the king as supreme or the governors of authority, but we also remember as we studied that, we said, but they have somebody over top of them. That those people in charge, those people in authority, are going to have to answer to God for what they did with that authority and what they did with that, um, that, that power, we might say. Because there is one over top of them. Well, then, when we talked about the servants and the masters, we said, if you remember, we said, now, the masters are to treat the servants with honor and, res- and, and dignity and respect. Why? Colossians 4.1, Masters given to your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Right? So the, the one in authority is responsible to God who gave them the authority. So likewise, husbands, you better live with your wives according to the knowledge of who made you the head of the house and who gave you the responsibility and who you have to answer for with that responsibility. To know that God has said, now you are the husband, dwell with your wife. You're the iron skillet, you dwell with your wife and you treat her as I've created her. You don't demean her because I've created her one way and you the other. But you treat her as I have created her. And you treat her as I have given her to you. And you treat her with the respect and the honor that I've told you to treat her. And you remember that you're going to answer to me. So I think that that's according to the knowledge. And that brings in the likewise from the, the authority um, structure here. Likewise, we dwell with our wives, not as one superior, but as a fellow heir. As being heirs together of the grace of life. Though physically women are the weaker vessel, in Christ we are heirs together. So that means men shouldn't demean or treat their wives as, as inferior but as um, fellow heirs. So husbands have authority given to them by God. They are, by God's will and by God's authority, the head of the home. God tells the wives, now you submit to your husbands because that that is my way of headship, that the husband is the head of the house and the wife submits unto the husband. But God says to the husband, you better not be as a cruel master. You better not be a big bully. The wife is the weaker vessel, so what kind of vessel does that make the husband? The stronger vessel. 
And so what do you have whenever you've got someone who has authority, who is stronger, and then thinks, well, I'm just going to get my way, and they're going to do what I say no matter what. Well, you, you have the, the temptation or the, the danger of just being a big bully and being mean and, and, and hateful. But that is not what God has called the husband to do. You are the stronger one, but you are heirs together with your wife. You treat her according to the knowledge of Scripture, according to the knowledge of the calling, according to the knowledge that we have a Lord over us, according to the knowledge that it is God's will that, that the husband love his wife and as Christ loved the church, but not one who can force the weaker woman to do what he says because he's stronger. See, a, a husband who will physically abuse his wife um, and, and then turn around and say, well, um, she's supposed to be in subjection. I, I read something not too long ago that um, there's a pastor that deals a lot with, with family issues, a uh, Presbyterian man, but just talking about dealing with a wife with a, with a strong hand and talk, just um, that kind of thing, just being using the strength in an ungodly way. But in fact, the strength is there to use for the wife, to protect and to provide for the wife, and to, to honor her, not um, subjugate her, right? The wife is to be in subjection, but it doesn't say, husbands, put your wife into subjection. It does not say that. So the wife, um, the wife, is, uh, or the husband rather, is not to use the physical strength to lord over the weaker vessel. But he, the stronger, is to look upon the weaker with tenderness and gentleness as a fellow heir. He is to honor her as the one who was loved by Christ, as one who was redeemed by Christ, a fellow heir to the incorruptible inheritance purchased by the blood of Christ, he is the one with authority who treats his wife not as subject, but as his own flesh. Who uses his strength to honor his wife. To use his strength to, um, to help and protect and to provide. And to give himself for her as um, God has called the man to do. So we don't need to flatten out the relationship. See, that's what people do. They get to this verse and verses like this, and they get scared that somebody's going to yell at them, or people get mad and leave the church, and what they do is they flatten it out. And say, well, this was a cultural thing back in those times, and, and they, they try to flatten out the differences and just say, well, you... Everybody be in subjection to each other. But that's not what it's saying. It's better to, to take what the text says and then apply it in the way that it was intended to be applied because then you have the husband and the wife together as one flesh living um, for the glory of God. And that's the best way to do it is, is how God has told us. Well, lastly, 
Why do we do this? Well, it says that your prayers be not hindered. This is another interesting phrase. So there, there's a couple of phrases in, in this one verse where you wouldn't expect that to be the next thing if you were just kind of thinking this through. So that your prayers be not hindered. That kind of comes out of nowhere. Well, what, what, what's the meaning behind this? Well, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. We know that. But we in this body of death can become worldly-minded. We can become overtaken in the fall. We can become lukewarm and uncaring. And how we treat one another does affect us spiritually. If you've ever been in a church where there's problems in the church, I mean, big problems, you know what I'm talking about. Just the, there's, it's, just un, it's kind of uncomfortable. Uh, there's a big elephant in the room that nobody really wants to talk about. Um, and it's just, it's affected. That, that it's difficult to worship together. That's why Jesus said, if you have something against your brother, go make it right first. Right? So, your relationship with other people does, does affect you spiritually. So, we're to love our neighbor, right? Well, who's your closest neighbor? Who, who lives closer to you than anybody else? Well, it's your, it's your wife. So if you're, not, if you're in rebellion towards your spouse, you can't say that that's going to not impact your devotional and spiritual life. It'll hinder you from prayer. So a man who is proud and lording over and and not compassionate and not loving and and abusive, well, his heart is not going to be warm towards Christ and prayer and forgiveness and, and praying for his wife. You'll be hindered in your prayer. Again, not that God will only hear our prayers when we live perfectly, but what are you going to pray for? While you're abusing your spouse. What are you going to pray for? I mean, what are you going to pray for if, if you're abusing your spouse or you're not loving your spouse, right? Very difficult to pray when your heart is in conflict with somebody. And, and if your wife is not obeying the word, then you're not obeying the word. Are you going to pray for her? You know, if... Say, well, my wife's not submitting. Well, then you were a jerk in retaliation. So are you, going, are you praying for her? No, you're trying to win an argument. So you're not praying for her. You're trying to, to, to get the upper hand. You're not praying for her. Are you praying that God would grant grace? Are you praying for her sanctification? Are you praying that God would help her as she travels to heaven? You ever think about that? That it is... You and your wife are both pilgrims and strangers on your way to heaven. And you're helping one another along the way. She may slip and fall. Well, you're there to help her up. She may be getting tired and and slowing down. Well, you're you're there to, to, to go along beside her. We, we used to watch that uh, TV show, The Amazing Race, where, you know, lots of times husbands and wives would, would be in this race and they'd have to go all the way around the world. And, and some of the 
some of the couples will do real well, but some of them you found out real quick that they didn't have that great of a relationship because whenever things got bad, things got stressful, they'd start fighting and bickering, and, and one of them would slow down, and they'd start yelling at them, won't you hurry up? But, but the couples that did pretty well in those were the ones that they would see their, their spouse slowing down, they'd go back and help, and they'd pick up the slack and that kind of thing. And I believe this is what this is talking about here. That, that if you are not loving your wife according to knowledge and giving honor unto her and living up to what God has called you and there's conflict, then you're not praying for your wife and you're not helping her as she travels to heaven with you. That's the marvelous thing about having a Christian marriage is both of you are struggling pilgrims, enduring hardships, and there your wife is a struggling pilgrim just like you are. She has many hardships to endure, just like you do. And it's made even harder that, that she is the weaker vessel of the two of you. So it's your joy and responsibility to pray for her and to help her and, to, and to, to be there to go with her as she fights temptation, as she um, labors to love the Lord and to follow the Lord and, and to, to grow in godliness and holiness. So brothers, love and honor your wife. View her as Christ views her, as a fellow heir. Love her as Christ loved the church. Honor her as a child of God and, and protect her as a weaker vessel and live with her in light of the truth of Scripture. And live together, husbands and wives, helping one another along the way unto glory. May God add the blessing to his word tonight. It's my prayer and help us all to be um